Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bible Truth for Living. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds, your host. We thank you for tuning in today, whether it's by radio or perhaps you're listening to the Bible Truth podcast. We appreciate you listening. Today, I'm going to begin a, begin a brief series titled White as Snow. I think it's a series that will be helpful and appropriate for this time of year. And uh, I'm going to read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 1 and verse 18. The scripture says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. When you think of a sermon series titled White as Snow, that sounds pretty enough, doesn't it? Snow is pretty and pure, and we live out in the country, and I always enjoy the first snow. You know, I'm talking three or four inches. I'm not real crazy about the 10 and 12-inch snows, but a good snow that covers and blankets the ground and sort of insulates all of the sounds, and it's just very pretty when you think of the uh, the snow. But when we talk about white as snow, uh, from a biblical perspective, we must understand that this also deals with something really ugly and unattractive, and that is sin. In fact, the scripture that I just read to you both combines something white as snow and something as red as crimson and scarlet. Sin is that way, and it is the ugliness of sin that helps us to recognize our desperate need of a Savior and salvation. Now, sin, of course, is something that none of us like to admit. We don't like to discuss it, but it is something we all struggle with. Now, the world says differently. The world says you're fine just like you are. You're a good person. You're a special person. But the book of God, the Word of God, says something different. The Bible tells us we're sinners and that we have a sin problem. And that's what we're going to address today. Now, in Isaiah chapter 1, God is addressing both the personal and national sins of his people in the nation of Judah. In fact, chapter 1 and verse 4 says, "Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. So we have a sinful nation, that is the national sins of the people, and we have the individual sins referred to as people laden with iniquity. So a nation is made up of individual people. So if you have national sins, stands to reason you have individual sins. What we're going to see today is that what was true about the nation of Judah then is true of our own nation right now. We are a sinful nation comprised of sinful people. What do we do about that? Well, let's look first of all at the corrupt nature of sin that God reveals in verse 4. He says this nation was packed full of sin. Notice there again, please. He says, all sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. That word laden, L-A-D-E-N, means loaded and packed. You are loaded and packed with iniquity. Every aspect of their lives in this nation of Judah was packed with sin. Uh, Greed and lust and lying and stealing and violence was all part of both their private and public life. There was no part of life that was untouched by sin. They were just packed full of it. And not only that, they perpetuated their sin. 
He continues and says, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. This was a generational issue. What was happening is that the current generation was continuing the sins of the previous generation and then carrying those sins on to the next generation. The sins that we see in our own nation in 2022, they're not new. They didn't just crop up today. They come from uh, decades past and, and years past. And so that's how sin works. It perpetuates and then it just goes on into the future. So they were packed full of sin. They perpetuated their sin. And then they parted from God because of their sin. He says, they have forsaken the Lord. What does that mean? Well, they had given up on God. Now, they were still religious, and I'm going to show that to you in just a moment. Their words, oh, they remembered God with their words, but their ways said something completely different. In fact, God says later in Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips, they do honor me but have removed their heart far from me. Did you know that it's possible to honor God with your mouth and your lips, but not have your heart in it? That's what was going on here. And then they provoked God with their sin. Uh, Verse four continues. They have provoked, that word provoked means enraged and infuriated the Holy One of Israel unto anger. Now, we don't like to think of God in those terms today. We've become too uh, civilized and all, and even behind our pulpits today, we have pictured God as the old man upstairs with a long white beard, and he's just kind of chuckling along while we just become more and more decadent in our sin. That's not how the Bible depicts God. God does not uh, like uh, evil. The Bible says in Psalm 7 and verse 11 that God is angry with the wicked every day. That hasn't changed. What David wrote in Psalm 7 is true even today. God is angry with the wicked every day. Hebrews 10 and verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. That's not something to be taken lightly. And so they provoked God with their sin. Number five, they continued to progress in their sin. Verse four closes out. They are gone away backward. They were certainly not moving forward. Now they thought they were, and perhaps they were moving forward in their technology and in their information and with some of the things that they were discovering. But as far as their morality, oh no, they were not progressing. They were regressing. He says they are gone away backward. Listen, please, to Psalm 14. Verses one through three, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now today, you know, that's progress. We don't need God. Uh, uh, We're too smart for that. We're too educated. The Bible says you're a fool if you say there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. Same thing. They are gone away backward. They are gone aside. Same thing. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You say, Pastor, I, I've never heard that before. I've always been told I was pretty good. Well, according to the scripture, there's nothing good about us. Uh, the Bible says there are none good. Paul repeats the same thing in the book of Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. 
gone out of the way, gone aside, gone away backward, all means the same thing. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now, I know I that goes against the self-esteem psychology today that's taught in our schools and, and even in our workplaces and all, but the Bible is true today just as it was in years past. According to the scripture, we are all sinners. Now, what they considered progressing God said is regressing. You're gone away backward. Let's think about our own nation. Let's think of these things I've talked about here from Isaiah chapter one. Are we packed full of sin? Well, watch the news. Watch what's going on in our world. I think we would have to answer yes. Are we perpetuating our sin? Well, yeah, because what we see going on today began with our fathers and our grandfathers and great grandfathers, and it's not getting better. We're not progressing morally. We're we're regressing. We're going backward. Are we parting from God because of our sin? Well, compare the number of people at uh, a football game on a Sunday compared to the number of people in the local church, and you figure that one out for yourself. Are we provoking God with our sin? I don't think he's happy about it. Uh, He's still angry with the wicked every day. Are we progressing in our sin? Yes, we are. We become more and more sinful just all the time. You know, just recently, the United States Senate passed what is, I think, incorrectly called the Respect for Marriage Act. It uh, is supposed to, the, their wording is that it protects and dignifies same-sex marriage. But that is not a Respect for Marriage Act. That is a Disrespect for Marriage Act. And ultimately, is it is a Disrespect for God Act. Because it is God who instituted marriage, and marriage is to be between one man, one woman, for one lifetime. That's according to the Scripture. So the progressives may applaud it, but God doesn't. He says that's not progressive, that is regressive, and I'm afraid we've opened a Pandora's box of what may come next. When you start perverting marriage, um, what is going to be next? Polygamy? Uh, all sorts of things can come out of that. So I guess what I'm saying is that this nation thought it was progressing, but God says you're going backward, and uh, I believe the same thing, unfortunately, applies to our nation today. Now, the next thing I want us to see is the careless neglect of sin. What was the nation doing while this was going on? Well, rather than recognize their sin and dealing with it, they neglected their sin. And what they did is they swept it under the rug of religion. They kept up, they kept up with their religious performances all the time. They are going against the word of God. Uh, I don't know if you have ever had a, uh, a child that you have given the responsibility to sweep a garage or sweep a room, and you go and you look and inspect it, and at first glance it looks like it's okay until you lift up a rug, and then you see they've swept it under the rug, or maybe they've swept it under a table. That's where that that phrase comes from, to sweep it under the rug. It's, it's The dirt is still there, you've just swept it under. And see, that's how some people address sin. Rather than dealing with it, they throw a little religion over it. That's what the people did here in Isaiah's day. We see, first of all, God mentions their senseless sacrifices in verses 11 and 12. God says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Why are you doing this? He says, I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. 
When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations unto me. I don't want that. I'm, I'm tired of that. I'm not interested in that. It was senseless. Why was it senseless? Here's why. Because, because it was all performance and no purpose. He says, what purpose is it? Well, this is what has become of the 21st century church in America. Think about it. Why, why do we go? Well, I go to be entertained, or I go because they have a good program, or because I'm getting something out of it. No, you're, you're doing that for the wrong reason. What's the purpose? Why do you go to church? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? Why do you witness? Why do you live for the Lord? What's the purpose? You see, the, here's what happens is that we get caught up in the routine on Sunday and then just go right back in, in our sinful ways uh, the rest of the week. God says, I'm tired of it. I, I don't even care about your sacrifices. And then he mentions their wearying worship. Continuing in verse 13, he says, don't bring any more vain oblations. Uh, incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity. Even the solemn meeting, your new moons, your appointed feast, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. You see, they made full use of special days. He mentions their new moons and their appointed feasts. They liked to dress up and play music. And boy, they would all get together in big crowds and they would throw celebrations and thinking all the time God was pleased. And God says, I'm tired of it. I'm weary from this. You know, I'm just curious, and uh, you might think about this. What would Jesus think today if he entered into the modern church of America? Now, thank God there are still a lot of good churches that are preaching the word of God. But sad to say that church today has ultimately become something that is trying to attract the world by becoming more worldly. And so we add all of these attractions and all of these performances, and yet spiritually, uh, we're, we're drying up. And God says, I'm weary of that. I'm tired of that. And then he mentions their pointless prayers. Did you know sometimes it's just pointless to pray? Listen to verse 15. And when you spread forth your hands, and I can picture them as they would, they would perform religiously and they would hold their hands out, maybe you're up high. When you spread your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, oh, they must have really been filling up with prayers. When you make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. Those hands they were lifting up and thinking that that was really impressing God. God says, I, I see what's going on. And those hands are not innocent hands. They are full of blood. You are guilty of sin against me. And you're trying to cover it up with your religion. The motions of their outstretched hands, their uplifted hands, their repetition of many prayers that would not resolve their corruption of sin. It was all a show, and it was not sincere. Now, if I finished right there, you'd say, Pastor Tim, you've, you've shucked the corn today, and, <laughs> and you've made it really sound bad. Well, it would be bad if it ended right there. God's not happy. He's not happy with the sin going on here. He says, I see the real deal. You know, people may be impressed from the outside, but I see what's on the heart. Something has to give. Something has to be done here. And that's the third thing that I want to share with you, and that is the complete nullification of sin in verses 16 through 18. Now, the word nullification uh, or nullify is a legal term. That's why I chose that word, nullify. The word nullify means to void, invalidate, cancel, or abolish. 
You've heard of something being made null and void, right? It means it's canceled out or abolished. So how do we take care of this sin problem? Uh, How did God tell Judah to do it? Well, it's a four-step process that I want us to, to see here today. First of all, the first step is always repentance. It begins with repent. He says in verse 16, wash you and make you clean. Now, he's not telling them, go take a bath, you know, go get some soap and wash rag and go get in the shower or get in a bath and clean yourself up. No, this is not a physical outward act. It is an inward act that always begins in the heart and in the mind. You see, that's what repentance is. We, we think that repentance is cleaning up our act, you know, getting our act together, so to speak. No, repentance is a change of thought that then leads to a change of direction. For instance, the unbeliever must repent of saying, I no lo- I don't believe in God, but now I am going to, from here out, I'm going to believe in God. Before I didn't see my sin for what it was, now I see sin like God sees it, and I need to turn from that. I need to repent. It's a change of thought. So he says, wash you and make you clean. The first step for anyone, let's say you're an unbeliever, you want to be saved. What do I have to do? The first thing you have to do is repent. You must repent. See where you're at and repent. If you're a backslider away from God, same thing. You need to confess your sin. You need to repent and realize that you're headed in the wrong direction. The second step is remove. Verse 16, wash you and make you clean. There's repent. Now the next thing is put away. Put away, remove the evil of your doings from before mine eyes and cease to do evil. Now that you have repented, repentance then will lead to removing the things that cause us to sin. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're in a church service and you, you, the invitation is given and you come forward and you, uh, you, know, you feel guilty for your sin and you repent. And then you leave and you go right back with the friends that drag you down. And what will happen? You'll find yourself right back in the same situation. What's happened? Well, you took the first step and that's very important. But then the next thing you need to do is you need to remove those friends. You know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to follow Christ, there are some things you got to put away. It's just, it's just as simple as that. There are some friendships you have to put away, some influences you have to put away, some temptations you have to put away. So it begins with repent and then you remove and then you respond. Verse 17, learn to do well. Well, that, that's a message right there because apparently doing well is not automatic. It's something we learn. It's like our children. We have to teach them to do right. They, they can do wrong on their own. They don't have to be taught that. None of us did. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. What do we have here? Well, we have a positive response. We have learn and seek and relieve and judge and plead. We have five action verbs. So once you repent and you have a change of thought, then you remove, you put away some things that are dragging you down and that cause you to to sin. Then you respond with some positive things. You start doing those things that are pleasing to God. You put away alcohol and you pick up your Bible. You put away uh, negative friendships and you pick up some new godly friendships. You see what I'm saying? So you remove and then you respond. Put away the things that profane God and pick up the things that please God. And when you do that, you'll find, boy, you're this moving right along. I repent, I remove, I respond, and then God says, let's reason about this thing. 
Reason is the fourth. Verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now I want to focus on that part. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet. What is God saying? God is saying, listen, let's be reasonable about this. You're a sinner and you're a mess. He says, though your sins be as scarlet. He doesn't try to diminish the sin. He doesn't say, well, you know what? It's really not that big of deal. He says, let's be reasonable about the enormity of your sin and the consequences of sin. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, put it this way, and he would probably not be uh, as popular today. Listen to what he says. Quote, the Lord does not deny the truth of what the sinner has confessed, but says to him, though your sins be as scarlet, I will meet you on that ground. You need not try to diminish the extent of your sin or seek to make it appear to be less than it really is. It is all that and probably far more. Your deepest sense of sinfulness does not come up to the truth concerning your real condition. Your sins are scarlet and crimson. You have put on an imperial robe of sin and made yourself a monarch of the realm of evil. That is how a man's guilt appears before the searching eye of God, end quote. Boy, that right there would uh, just go right to the heart of the matter. God says, you are a sinner. Your sins are as scarlet and you're a mess. But he doesn't leave us there. Thank God, because he says, though your sins be as scarlet, yeah, they're pretty bad. They're as bad as it can be and far more. But he says, they shall be white as snow. You know, when a piece of material is dyed, D-Y-E-D, it's not merely a stain on the material, but it becomes part of the material. Let's say you have a red shirt, all right? The shirt is not stained red. You know, you got a little bit of stain on it. It's actually dyed that color. It's part of the material. You can take OxyClean or uh, Shout or whatever the fancy stain remover would be, and you could try to remove it, but you cannot because it's not just a stain. It's part of the material. And listen, that's why sin is. Sin is not just a little stain on our life, you know, a little, uh, our lives, a little mistake that we made, a little lie here, a little theft here, a little bad thought here. No, it's not just a stain. Sin is a part of us. It's in our DNA. It's what we are. The Bible says that we are sinners by nature and by choice and by practice. We cannot deal with that on our own. Uh, on our best day, we can't do anything about it. The Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. What do we do with this mess then? Now, here's the, the message of hope that I want to give you today. It is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that changes, not the stain, but changes the material. You see, only he can make scarlet sin, crimson sin, as white as snow or as white as wool. I'll close with a little poem, and I think this is appropriate for this time of year. Uh, It's titled, Mary's Little Lamb, and I actually uh, got this from Dr. Adrian Rogers, and here's how the poem goes. Mary had a little lamb, his fleece was white as snow, son of God from heaven above for sinners here below. Mary, son, eternal God, he, the great I am, with wool so white on Christmas night became a little lamb. Mary had a little lamb, his fleece was white as snow. 
That spotless lamb was crucified to pay the debt I owe. O spotless lamb with wool so white, thy crimson blood I know can take away my crimson sin and wash me white as snow. Listen, you can't get rid of that sin yourself. It's part of you. It's part of me. Thank God for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. His shed blood is what is worthy and what is the uh, the only thing that is capable of taking away the sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Whiter than snow. Yes, whiter than snow. Please wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Have you been saved? Has the Lord made your heart whiter than snow? If not, you need to take care of that today. You can do that listening to this broadcast. Just pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I repent of my sin today. I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe Jesus died and rose again for me. Jesus, wash me, cleanse me, make me white as snow. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. If you prayed a prayer just like that, meaning it with your heart, according to the scripture, you are born again. He has taken your sinful scarlet sins, those awful crimson sins, those things of the past that are weighing on your mind. He's taking them and he's made them white as snow and white as wool. Only he can do that. If you've done that today, I encourage you, maybe write us a letter. Let us know, hey, Pastor Tim, I was saved uh, by listening to the broadcast or to the podcast, and I'd like to rejoice with you, and uh, I uh, would certainly love to hear from you. Well, listen, as we close the broadcast, I want to thank all of those who listen. Uh, We're getting ready to close out another year here, and so many of you are faithful in listening and supporting the broadcast, and uh, I especially appreciate our friends who support us on a monthly basis. Sometimes it's periodic. Sometimes uh, folks make a, a larger one-time-a-year gift, and I want you to know that we would not be able to be on the air. We would not be able to have podcasts if it were not for the financial gifts of people who support uh, Bible Truth for Living. And I certainly thank you for that. Before we close the year out, I'm going to be mentioning... Uh, those that do help us. And I don't do that too often because I know their heart is in uh, the ministry. They're not looking for recognition, but I, I want folks to know how much we do appreciate them. And we'll probably do that next week or uh, the, the final week of the month, just to let those folks know we appreciate them. And if you'd like to be uh, one who supports the broadcast, we encourage you to do that. Don't take your funds from your own church that belongs to your home church, but maybe you're looking for a local mission to support, uh, make part of that the Bible Truth for Living program. It really would uh, benefit uh, us as we pay for the radio time, and it allows uh, tens of thousands of people to hear the truth from God's Word as we teach and preach it and continue to do so and have now for nearly 50 years. Thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.